Hi, Eric. Good morning. Hey, I wanted to talk about circus schools. Maybe before we do that, you want to tell us the definition of circus? <laughs> <laughs> no? You want to tell us the definition of art? Uh, Are we done with definitions? Uh, well, I mean, I, there is a good definition of circus that's from a book that I have nothing to do with, but I, that's one that I always refer to because I think it's a good one and useful one for many reasons. And that is that circus is a circus is an organized sequence of performances in a ring of spectators. Yeah. And that's a good definition because that you you can think about uh, development in in history and and new words that come along that history. When is a time where a good where a new word or a new term is needed? And that's when you have a concept that's new, that have that you haven't had to have a word for in the past. And circus is one of those concepts because what was new about the circus of Astley in 1768 was that it is this organization, the division of the act. So, you know, the horse goes first and then comes the acrobat and then comes the juggler, then comes the wire walker, let's say. And that is really like all, all these components of, of, of that type of circus existed before that point. But what was new was the organization. Right. So for that sense, that's always a definition that I, that I find useful for historical, uh, for, from a historical point of view. And also to, th to think about what consequence that specific time period had. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to say, I, I was joking, you don't need to say, uh, but I know, I know you have worked a little bit on the definition of circus, for example, right? And there was some sort of plan after the definition of juggling that there could be an expanded conversation, perhaps if the, maybe if the juggling, <laughs> definition of juggling conversation had been shorter or yeah, that's more true. resolved. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Like I did, when I was doing all that investigation, I did write a lot about the definition of circus and the different definition of art too. And more specifically, how you can think about those things and how you can perhaps, you know, what, what is relevant in such a discussion. Like right, so maybe it wasn't so much about the exact end result, but more about the process of how to analyze the situation or, or understand. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Right. And was that pretty similar to the juggling definition or did you find totally new... Um, challenges <laughs> there's definitely new challenges and there's also there are also areas that i i personally don't m know as much in terms yeah. of information so i guess they're perhaps more like conceptual right yeah, more in terms of just thinking but yeah but this idea of you know the definition of circus for example it is relevant to this idea of circus schools i mean just as a a personal relationship to that is you know when I started off juggling in America, juggling wasn't part of circus. I can say, I mean, quite literally. Uh, in fact, it was a point of pride in the culture, juggling culture, that we weren't doing circus. We were doing juggling. <laughs> and right. of course, we didn't know what we were talking about in either, in either way <laughs> of that <clears throat> Yeah, I think already now you're on to something that I think needs specification because... Now you're talking about circus as an activity, like you're saying we're doing circus and nothing wrong with that. But I think it's worth like untangling a little bit how 
how we use the word circus currently. Because if you look at it historically, obviously circus it comes from from uh, the Romans and that it means circle, and it was the the word was to represent a, a building or a performance venue for chariot racing with horses and some other things as well. But that's like the origin of that word. And then when Astley comes around, he did not call his performance circus. That was, so Astley makes his show and he just calls uh, calls it Astley's Amphitheater or, or later he would call it, he didn't have a theater yet, but I don't, I'm not actually sure right off the bat what he called the performance if it just said I think the posters just say Astley's mm -hmm. uh, or like Astley's exhibition maybe I, I'll have to look that up specifically mm. what the type of performing what he would call it uh, but what happened was that he, he was very successful so then many people started to copy this type of uh, ma making a performance in this way and the person who did that there was two Charleses so Charles Hughes and Charles Dibden and Charles Dibden was a musician and I believe Charles Hughes was a horse rider so Dibden he didn't come from that type of performing he, he wrote theater he was like a theater director and made mm. dramatic things uh, so, but he coined the, the phrase, he called the performance circus or specifically their venue that they started, Charles Hughes and Charles Dibden, to compete with Astley. They, they called that the Royal Circus. And there was a little bit of a tradition already, I, th I believe, in, in that to reenact historical events. Like you could reenact like uh, a big battle or something like that because there was obviously there was no TV or film or so they would they used these different mediums to uh, talk about the news or talk about uh, yeah information like that so so that was a thing that or already existed in in this type of performing to reenact historical events so it's possible that to call it the royal circus is kind of a riff on that, you know, like, oh, we're, we're talking about the Roman circus. I don't know, like, I haven't investigated that further, but I think it's still worth pointing out that that kind of thinking existed, and it's possible that it comes kind of from that or through that in some way. But so they called it the Royal Circus. So in terms of our performance genre that we're in that we now call circus i think th that's good to point out that it's first it's the building where the t the performance takes place and then slowly it has migrated to become a term that represents the activity that takes place in that venue so it goes basically it goes from from the building to become a representation of the activities that took place in that building but it doesn't stop there um, I've even heard now let's see how this goes so it's not so now like someone could say like I am doing circus sure and they're talking about maybe they're doing handstand or acrobatics or juggling yep but now I've also heard people say, 
is there cir someone asked me is there circus in Stockholm and I realized from the context of that conversation that what was meant was is there a circus community mm. like are there people doing circus and there's circus shows and there's you know like things happening in kind of some kind of culture around circus performing and then that culture would then fall under the term circus right like is there circus in berlin yeah there's circus there's a school like sometimes we have performances we meet in the park you know what i mean yeah so th i think that kind of evolution of how the term circus has been used is interesting and i'm not saying that anything any of that is right or wrong i'm just it's i'm just observing sure that that's a thing so if we go back to what you were that's saying, exactly what i was talking about yeah. yeah 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 so you were saying when i when i started this rant you were saying that when we do circus no no when, when i was back? growing up in ohio juggling uh we weren't doing circus we were doing juggling and that was again kind of a, a really important distinction that we had to tell ourselves and whoever was listening that it wasn't uh valid to do circus for some reason and i mean to the point where i didn't even understand that juggling came from circus until i really came to europe i didn't know what that meant i mean okay i'm in america we have a shorter uh, world history or history of our country than you know places in europe and not such a connection to the distant past <laughs> But uh, this idea that juggling was part of circus was really, uh, if anybody did associate juggling with circus when I was growing up, it was really not okay. <laughs> it was not cool. And it was something we definitely didn't want to be a part of. And again, this is, this is everything we've talked about in all the past episodes. There's the internal conversation, there's the external conversation, and how you want to position yourself externally to different people or structures or whatever depending on what your goal, your agenda, what you want to accomplish. Uh, you can talk about juggling being part of circus or not, right? That's going to be a different sort of thing. But internally, it didn't even occur to me that uh, juggling was really a, intrinsically, or it came, came from the genre of circus. And I didn't understand that whole conversation even, that it would be an option, that, like a, what that even entailed, what that conversation would even bring up. I had no comprehension of. Um, but following on from that, uh, from what you were saying now, so can you talk a little bit, it's a little bit different, but in the same way, we're talking about this cultural um, placement of the word or, or, or these ideas and concepts, like how are they placed in our society and how do we relate to them? So you've had this idea about the, I'm going to get this name wrong, but it's kind of your myth of the juggler as an artist. And that kind of brings up these ideas you're talking about venues or do you want to? Right, right, right. Yeah. What, what was that about? Yeah, so those thoughts comes from the juggler um, as a professional. So he's making his living off of juggling. Performer. Performer, yeah. That there is, there, there's no, currently there's no performance context that, where that takes place. What do you mean? Um, so there's no there's no performative context where you can put juggling for the sake of juggling and what is valued in that performance context and what is kind of pushed and exhibited is the 
juggling um, inventions and the, ju the juggling material, let's say, the performative material of juggling, it's always a, a mix of, of that as an aspect in, the, in a larger in a larger framework of performing where Which juggling can be what? one part of it. Right. And what are the other parts then? Or some of the other parts? Well, it's, it's how you present it or how you uh, like comedic aspect, perhaps theatrical aspects, um, maybe production elements and production elements. lighting design, yeah, there set you design, go. There you go. costume design. And of course, like, I don't know if you ever get down to like a super, super pure context in any art form where you show like only dance or only something, right? Yeah. There's always going to be some kind of, some kind of uh, production that frames whatever right. our artistic expression that is exhibited, right? But it seems as if is in juggling we don't have a place where it's even at the to top in the hierarchy, so to speak. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I always think about performing like that, exactly what you just said in terms of a hierarchy. Yeah. And you can start to say that there are expressive elements of the performance. And uh, you can make a list of them. You can say, oh, what am I watching right now? Well, I'm watching somebody juggle and they're singing, somebody's singing, someone's playing music and et cetera, whatever, right? You just make a list of these techniques or disciplines that you're observing. And then for a f as a fun little game, you can arrange them into a hierarchy. And I think for me, I get really stuck sometimes on this of I arrange them into a hierarchy and then I see what's the, the discipline that's on top. And then I say, well, that, you know, I placed it on top because it was the, either the most expressive element or the most important element for whatever criteria. And then I go, well, then this performance... It, I kind of label it under that heading. Mm. So, for example, I make a list and I say, well, I'm watching the thing on stage and there's music and there's lighting and there's cooking, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. there's ice skating and there's juggling. I say, but what, what's really the, the takeaway of the performance? What's the thing that's speaking the loudest or expressing the most or the most obvious even? And you can say, well, it's the music, right? So I put music on top of my list and all those other elements come below that list. Then if I went to if I went to you the next day and oh hey Eric I saw a show last night you know, oh what did you see I say I could say well I saw a music show right I would just as in a concise explanation I wouldn't say oh I saw this uh, ice skating juggling lighting singing music show that's yeah. not how we talk about right. these kinds of things so I say okay well the main expressive element is the <laughs> is is the music in that case. Even, and so then we get into this idea of, uh, well, talking about marketing or external versus internal conversations. Many shows that I see in contemporary circus, at least, and we don't need to get stuck on what's contemporary <laughs> circus definition and all that. But what I see is um, somebody says they're doing a circus show, but the actual, I don't say message, but say content or expressive quality of that show is actually theater. It's a thin layer of theater. Right, yeah. And then if you analyze it from that way, from or you kind of, you know, distill down the essence <laughs> in from that viewpoint, you go, oh, so it was basically a... Uh, what ends up happening, I mean, is 
the actual content or concept of the show is actually from this hierarchy where theater is on top. It's a theater, it's a theatrical layer. And the circus technique is kind of shoved into it or underneath it. Or again, it's the same conversation we had before well, about well, <clears throat> about about uh, validating your work. That I have this circus discipline and I need to elevate it by associating it with theater. And so then, for example, um, so what's the problem with any of this? Because again, in terms of marketing, maybe it's super clever to be a circus show instead of a theater show because there's a million theater shows, but there's not very many circus shows. So you can be special and unique and get more attention. But then the problem becomes, for example, if you would recognize consciously, internally, that your most expressive element is theater, maybe what you do or what you could do to try to make the work more, if, uh, I don't know, better, more effective or whatever, um, higher quality, is you would hire actors who can do really good theater. Since that's your main, you know, it's on the top of your list, this hierarchy, theater's at the top. You would hire actors and teach them a little bit of circus. So maybe the circus wouldn't be as high quality, but seeing as how you have this hierarchical list where theater is on the top at least, then at least that element would be of high quality. Because what normally ends up happening nowadays um, is the trend, which is that you have circus artists who are very technically accomplished in their discipline, but the circus isn't the main expressive element. It's this layer of theatricality but they can't, they're not doing good theater. <laughs> These circus artists, it's like an afterthought. And that's mm -hmm. what I always came up, again, going back to this uh, idea about doing comedy juggling in America. It's always, when I was a kid growing up, yeah, you work on your technique, the comedy is an afterthought, but really what's your takeaway of the performance in terms of the value? What are people going to be t walking away talking about? Maybe it's the comedy. For, it could be, for example. And then it just never crossed my mind when I was a teenager that, oh, actually, maybe if I'm going to do comedy, I should maybe work on that. It was always like, you're pretending you're doing juggling as the main thing. But many times, because of this bad self-esteem and this, our desire to motivate and market and everything, the juggling or the circus becomes a secondary uh, layer underneath whatever other quality and that other quality then, if you don't admit it to yourself very uh, clearly, it can get lost, I think, in the, in the process of how you practice and how you, yeah, how you perform. Yeah, I think circus, what, what you're getting at there is circus is so often put into a performance in the same way as we use kind of special effects or action in movies. And it becomes... It, it, since it is high intensity and it, it maybe displays risk and it's exotic and it is high intensity in, in, in different in, in many ways it, it becomes such a prominent expression even if the more the entirety of the show uh, rests on something else and I do think that there's there's also perhaps been something about we forgive those performers then for when they do other stuff or yeah. we, we at least we try to rely on that and i do think the audience a lot of times like i've had the i've had the experience at least with audiences you know going to performances and and it's not they're not actors the performers and there's still this theatrical aspect of of the performance and you can say that the 
the theater ha it's uh, it's not top notch let's say but but the audience still forgives them because they're doing this other stuff that that captures them you know and in a way like we do that all the time like theater is the when we when we're doing pretense in the theater we're constantly relying on the audience will to uh, participate in our made-up imagination yeah you know and we do that in all types of ways like you can sit there and you you see that the actors and they're playing you know uh, uh, some kind of family situation well we all know that they're actors and we all know that we're in the theater but if we're gonna follow along in this theatrical uh, development then we have to somehow allow ourselves to be immersed in the yeah. fiction that they're uh, portraying, right? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, so I think there is something there too that the circus has. Sometimes maybe they rely a little bit too much on that on mm. that agreement. Mm. Uh, and some, but I think a lot, a lot of times it's also just like it is what it is. Like you want to have, you know, teeter board in your show, and those are the actors. Well, there's not that many people that can do that stuff, you know. And then you want to play Romeo and Juliet or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, it's just and the motivation of why do you want to do this? Yeah, and make those choices. But um, yeah, that no, you're totally right. I I I, I agree. And, a couple of things before we, we move on from this myth myth of a juggler as an artist. Um, a couple of things came to mind. When you first called me and told me about this this idea of the that, that juggling as a as an as an artist kind of as a I don't want to say valid, but as an existing like, oh yeah, I'm a juggling I'm an artist and I do juggling. That's that's the identity that I hold, right? That I yeah. tell myself that exists that I'm doing. And then you, I remember you called me and you said, uh, well, this is actually kind of a myth that we're telling ourselves. It's a little bit of a lie that we maybe use to get through life. And in a couple of ways that that worked was um, we, we tell ourselves we're doing one thing, but actually to make that one thing happen, we're doing a lot of other things. So, for example, um, I know for many years I worked in Germany in the varieties and uh, with Wes and Menu and whatever and. Um, I would take that money I made and yeah, it would pay my rent and pay my food and pay for whatever in my life, but it would also pay for a lot of times it would subsidize my art form that was, uh, outside of the constraints of the German variety work. So I would go to Iceland every year and it would pay for those plane tickets and those new props that I wanted to throw around and, or try out in my show or whatever and investigate but but here's i have a question right now you're saying like you did those shows in germany and then you, you so you got that that salary and that could then pay for your art so so what you were doing in germany that was not a artistic work no no not at all i mean so the the full the full uh context is that uh well i look at it like this i mean anytime you're performing i mean we don't need to get into a, a debate about art versus entertainment. I don't want to go, go into that. But I tend to think that 
this idea of commercial work versus, say, artistic work or art versus entertainment or whatever, um, I don't believe in that so much. I think it's more of a smoother continuum than one or the other. And what I loved about doing, for example, the stuff in Germany, let's say with Wes or Menu, whatever, um, I was super proud of that work in terms of the context it was in and the way we chose to meet that occasion with the work. Um, it doesn't mean that when you're doing a work in a certain context, um, you have you have no control or you have no say or you have no choice. And I'm doing, oh, I'm just stuck doing this act I don't like or I have to juggle in a certain way I don't want to do. I don't really believe that. I think you have to look at the situation you're in and say, well, these are the parameters. You know, these are kind of the rules that's established. And if you want to participate in this in this arena, you have to follow these rules. I mean, you could just say like the length of your act or the size of your act. Those are very easy ones, especially in German variety. Mm-hmm. And inside of that, though, and, and you also have to know then your your audience and, and the producers, what they expect and, and what's, yeah, yeah, what's... Um, expected out of those kinds of performances i mean i always thought about it like when i was younger (laughs) i mean when i was younger of course i was much more of a punk i mean as i'm sure you were and you get older you get more mellow but uh i always thought about it like you go to a country music concert and you start doing rap like that'd be so cool that you just go and you you know you make play this joke on the whole audience or like whatever right and obviously in uh yeah, sure. If, if you want to uh, deal with all the consequences of that, <laughs> uh, the fallout of something, doing something like that. Okay, sure. I guess that's something you could do. Using that example, if, if we say doing German variety is like a rap concert and you want to go there and play country music, well, you might not go so far, right? Like, right. You might not do it so many times or be invited back or whatever. So there are there are there's a culture that you need to interact with i don't mean you have to just blindly kind of swallow or agree or uh you know um that you can't have your own mind or your own integrity it's not about this idea of selling out or whatever which again i don't really believe in this idea of selling out or whatever that means um because you can you can make money with integrity you can sell whatever you you can act with integrity (laughs) if you want to i mean it's not that it's easy but i think also then for me that's a fun going back to this idea of of juggling and creativity um it was super fun to make an act for germany where it i could i could put i could plug my ideas into that system that was a great big challenge and i think that's where i find the most fruitful explorations and and it's most fun It's like, okay, we have this box, we have this framework of the German Variety Act, Mm -hmm. and now we're going to try to make a product that will go there, that will be successful on many different levels. It will be successful with the producer who hired you, it will be successful with the audience who's watching a bunch of other things that same night, and it will be successful on a personal level, uh, artistic and technically, you know, what I'm interested in presenting in terms of the work. Um, So... But that being said, so yeah, I make I make a lot of money going to Germany doing that thing that can have that can feed me in a certain way. Like I mean, not with food, but with energy yeah. and life and whatever inspiration. But sure, then going to contrast that with going to Iceland, for example, where there there's no there's really literally no infrastructure. There's no expectations. There's it's just me 
and you and whoever. So if if I if I hear what you're saying, what you're really talking about, you're not saying that one thing is artistic and another thing is not. It seems to me as what you're saying is, in one context you have complete artistic freedom, and in another context okay. you're more restrained by the framework of the. Right, and and so bringing so that you bring up that point, it's kind of the second. Uh, it was the second. Thing you told me about this this myth of a juggler juggling artist myth <laughs> lifestyle or whatever we, we have which was that there are different frame you can look around the world and there's different frameworks in which to plug into your work into and those frameworks give uh positive and negative qualities that you can weigh all the time it's never like there's just one place where you can go do your your juggling as art and it's just going to be great uh, with no problems and there's always kind of a trade-off of that thing of of for example let's say you go to germany and you you do the variety shows well what are the what are the positive and negatives in terms of supporting the work where you are maybe completely artistically free so on one hand you could say oh i looked at my process i looked inside of me and my, my interests and desires, and actually performing in Germany, German variety, that totally is the top of my my list. I, I'm so happy. This is perfect. I'm done. Like, I have achieved my <clears throat> artistic per perfection or whatever. But let's say it's not. Let's say, like, one general really easy thing to talk about is in the German variety, maybe your act is only going to be eight minutes long at the most. Let's say you want to do an hour-long solo show. That's pretty unusual for <clears throat> German variety. So let's say this this idea of length could even be an artistic endeavor you want to accomplish. Mm. Well, then in that way you go, okay, so what happens if I go to Germany? Well, I get a lot of money that could maybe even make me survive beyond the contract in Germany, which would give me time and freedom in, in a year from now to work on my hour-long solo show. But, you know, before the, the for the next year, I know I can't work on my hour-long solo show because I'm doing 10 shows a week in Essen or wherever. So there's a trade-off. Well, if I spend my time now doing this other thing, I get the freedom later on to do this other, th a different thing, right? Or then, for example, um, when we did, when, when Wes and I especially did the, the varieties together, we got the key to the theater. Hey, that's kind of cool. You have a space, I mean, a big, nice theater that's free during the day. Nobody else is there. And you can go in there and juggle the entire day. So that's kind of cool. What's the trade-off to that? Well, you're probably kind of tired. You've been doing 10 shows a week. So that's just one little, that's one system you can plug into. Well, what's another one? Well, you could say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, uh, you can get grants. You can get a grant to do a juggling show. I mean, in different countries and different places. Like in Sweden, we, can, yeah. we got a grant to, do, to make a juggling show. But, okay, what's the trade-off of that? Oh, it's free money. Well, not exactly. You gotta first of all, you gotta spend time writing that grant. That time that you're writing that grant, you're not in the studio, you're not in the rehearsal hall, you're not doing, you're not juggling, for example. So there, there is always a balance. And and then what's the other? What's some other alternatives? It's like, well, there's education, there's school, there's circus school. So for example, there's a PhD. We brought that up, that idea up before too. Well, PhD sounds cool. You get paid, right? You get paid if you're a PhD. Uh, candidate so oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna become a PhD candidate and then I can just do whatever I want well no not exactly then there's the whole 
structure of the program. There's classes you have to go to. There's politics. There's hoops you have to jump through. And again, it's also the, the process of leading up to being a PhD candidate, all the stuff you have to line up and all the, <laughs> again, all the hoops you have to jump through. It's a big chunk investment of time and energy, which, you know, it depends on how, what kind of resources you have. And uh, so you kind of look around the world and uh, you say, well, I want to be an artist and I, my main expressive medium is going to be juggling, for example. And then you say, well, where, where, where are the infrastructures which will support that desire? And there are different sorts of things that exist in society now that you can interact with, but there's always a, a, a plus and a minus in terms of that. And I think in general, when you called me on the phone that day, a little bit of what you were telling me was, look, we go through life, and, and if, if you ask me, especially now, like on this, on this podcast, you're going to ask me, hey, what do you do? I say, I'm, a, I'm a juggling artist, you know, and I'm all proud of that, and I, it's my, my thing, it's my identity, it's what I work on, or it's, it's how I, uh, partly how I identify myself, right? Um, and you said, well, for example, look around society. Is, is a juggling artist, is that a thing? Is that a thing that exists, really? And I'd never thought about it before. Because, for example, let's say you're walking down the street and you meet, or you meet somebody at a bar or whatever, and then you start talking. Oh, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a, I'm a dentist. Okay. That's a, like, if someone tells you that they're a dentist, you're not shocked, you're not confused. It's just, it's easy to understand. You go, oh, okay, that's a thing. A dentist, I've heard of that. And then the conversation continues. And what do you do for a living? And then the, you get the question back to yourself. And you say, well, I'm a, I'm a juggler. And you kind of stop there. That's kind of a problem already. You can't just stop the conversation, right? In a normal conversation, in this casual way. Nobody's just going to go like, oh, juggler. Oh, I know what that is. It's going to beg another question. You're going to have to qualify that word juggler with some more meaning. It's not as clear. And then, and then you just get in more trouble. And you go, well, what do you mean juggler? Well, I'm an artist working with juggling. And that's even more, that's even more of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you have to speak even more in terms of that being a problem. Uh, or, or to understand what that could even mean. Yeah. And so there's this myth of like, in my mind, I'm a juggling artist and that's a known, achievable, concrete reality. Whereas I think if you externalize to society in certain uh, areas, it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It's not a thing that you can just do or be. Yeah. And, and, and just to finish that up is, is uh, then therefore we kind of, what you were talking about, I think, was this, in terms of this myth, was how do we navigate through our lives, through this situation, where we keep intact inside of ourselves this idea of the juggler as an artist, of what that's what we're actually doing. Where in reality, if you look at it in a different way, from a different perspective, maybe we're doing a lots of other little different things that supports that one dream, but it's kind of taking us on sidetracks sometimes, and maybe we're not even aware of that process, that it is so... It's just how life works. And you kind of uncovered that moment for me. I never thought about it in that way before. And I know following up this conversation more recently, we had talked about, of course, this is all depending on what culture you're in and, and you know, literally where you're at. For example, I think if I went to France and I had that conversation in a bar and I said, 
oh yeah you're a dentist oh well you know i'm a i'm an artist working with juggling i think it would be a little bit easier it'd be maybe a little bit of a shorter conversation than if i was in stockholm or ohio for example because in france i think it's a little bit more or it, again maybe this is part of the myth that we tell ourselves it's a little bit more normal somehow culturally in france because they do have so much uh, government funding for the arts that it's maybe not unusual for an av quote unquote average citizen to understand that the government is is funding things such as art and that circus is an art form maybe yeah. it's a little bit more established than the everyday culture in in france but yeah these are some of the the thoughts you were and and yeah and then going back to this idea of how do you plug in where do you plug in where's the best what's the best system to interact with to really support with what you actually want to do yeah yeah i think there's one specification here that we need to we, we really need to do we need to discern one important thing and that is when you say juggling artist it's this word artist what do you mean because i do think i i sense that there's at least two meanings behind that word you can talk about an artist as a performer like oh he's an artist you you look in a program of a, of a show for example and you see artists and there's a list of those performers right so i think artist could be s synonymous with the word performer but i think a lot of times when i hear you speak it seems to me as you, if you're referring to someone who creates that that what's what you mean when you say you're a juggling artist that means that not only you're a juggler but you create juggling you you have a process there there's, so you're talking when you're saying if we're gonna separate just a juggler and a juggling artist, mm -hmm. we can talk about a juggler, juggling artist. Of course, uh, he's a performer of juggling. That that could be one way, but we could also say he's a juggling artist, meaning it's an it's a a person who's a juggler who has a creative process where new works of art in the area of juggling are being produced mm -hmm. sure right yeah so and i think that's when i called you on the phone that day and i was talking about the myth of the juggling artist what i what i was specifically thinking of at that point was that person the the, the juggling artist who has a creative process that produces works of art in the field of juggling that that that's a myth because there is no professional space where that person is given a spot and that has been stated. That's the myth, hmm. I, I think. There's not, you can't find a place where you go, okay, here we have a, a juggling artist, a person with an artistic process that results in works of art in the field of juggling, and he can go here. Do you have a do you have an example of maybe one of the closest what's what's the nearest thing you that might exist towards that do you know Yeah I mean of course like I don't know if this is completely universal like you brought up France for an example and that's I don't know specifically the system there I think it's maybe this is locally to where I'm situated or a lot of places in the world but I I can't say that it's maybe people in France feel like that there is such a place but then I would like to see how that is stated I still I've never seen that be stated somewhere in some kind of articulated way mm -hmm. 
so that would be interesting. Maybe it exists, maybe it does not. Uh, but what I was getting at, it was just this realization that for me, that's a myth. That it doesn't exist for me, that space. So I continuously, like I work in that with that process. And then I just kind of jimmy rig the yeah the economy and the 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 structure that upholds exactly my position as that that's something that i continuously in have to invent yeah and i and i and yeah. i do think that that's the reality for a lot of artists just to say yeah but perhaps then what's different is that for another artist maybe that, that there at least is a place that they <laughs> hypothetically could reach well, that's the thing. Where I mean, they are given that space. But, and for me, I don't even know if that space even exists. We'll go back to the bar and you're having that conversation. What do right. you do? I'm a dentist. Oh, what do you do? Oh. Well, I'm a painter. Right. Oh, what do you paint? Well, I paint, you know, pictures. I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. The conversation's done. Oh, right. that's cool. Yeah. And, and what you're saying, I mean, again, oh, I'm a juggler artist. Well, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, and also, like, I, I come to think of uh, Luke Wilson now. And because he was talking about that sometimes, you know, he would separate between, how did he say it? Uh, artiste yeah. and an artist. Yeah. Uh, do you remember any of those conversations? No. no, I know what you mean. Yeah, he would talk about that. Uh, and I don't remember which was which. If our <laughs> artiste was the performer. Well, I remember, I remember yeah. the talk about on the Gatto Forum. Or I think I remember, maybe I'm making this all up. You know, when Anthony Gatto had the Gatto Forum and then it was there was this argument about he called himself an artist or, or a circus artist. I mean, that's going back to just kind of the etymology of the word, uh, you know, circus art. Or, you know, kind of the culture of how we speak about things. You know, circus artist, that's just in the nomenclature of, like, how you speak. Um, and so, but I remember, I, I think I remember, I mean... Well, I remember whether it was true or not. I remember there was the thread where Anthony's arguing that he's an artist. And what does that actually mean? And people saying, no, you're just a, you're just a robot. You're just doing the same thing every single night. And uh, he said, no. And, and then you get into this. He said, no, for him, every single show was different because he was getting into the, into the nuance that there's a new audience every single show. And therefore, every single show is different because he's really connecting with the audience. And therefore, it has to be you know, uh, inherently different every time. And um, and then there's that idea getting into, again, art and entertainment, but also then virtuosity and its role. And in, in, are we doing craft? You know, is he is Anthony doing craft or is he doing art? And blah, 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 yeah. You know, I don't but know. back to your question, you asked me what is, if that is a myth? Yeah. That there is a space for the creative juggling artist? Yeah. But then what's what's the closest, at least, to yeah. that? And uh, for sure there is, let's take a juggling festival. And I have been invited to juggling festivals and juggling events of different kinds where I am given freedom and where I am brought there to... To show the, the the creative works that I have produced, you know, and without any interference in those works, like you know, they have to be like this, they have to be mm -hmm. like that. I mean, sure, there's always like it's going to be on a stage, you know. There's limitations always to some degree, but let generally speaking, freedom. Sure. 
So I would I would mention juggling festivals and other types of juggling events there. It's just that there's not there's not enough of a structure there to uh, for someone to have a whole career, a whole life. Yeah, that's and supported that's, by that structure, let's say. And that's what I've I've kind of talked about years ago. As I I had this dream, it'd be so fun to be a, a quote unquote professional hobbyist. Yeah. Where you because what I mean is like in that juggling festival kind of scenario, you are. Ah, these words are just useless. But you are a hobbyist. I mean, you're an amateur. It's not like you say you don't you can't really build a career so solidly on on these juggling festival kind of context. But wouldn't it be so wonderful that you could have juggling existing um, that was a little bit more free of the yeah, commercial constraints that you do find now? Yeah. Um, even though it's fun and all to try to innovate inside of those commercial contexts. I mean, it, like take, for example, yeah. Japan, uh, ju- like the, the uh, Japanese jugglers, I find um, to be more free of of these yeah i don't know these these habits or something because for example um toss juggling or this kind of of uh western juggling it came to japan in you know 1995 i mean diablo was before that in 95 then they had the yeah balls clubs rings whatever throwing them in, in the air and catching them um so it's very 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 new and then there was really no established performance opportunities. So, and there still really isn't as far as I understand. I mean, there's more and more, and people have done amazing things in that area of performing, in, in the area of performing in Japan, don't get me wrong. But in, in general, I would say there isn't really as many established venues or outlets for professional performing of juggling, for example. But then I find that somehow that relieves the the general juggling culture of the pressure to always shove it into the performance context and you start to get these ideas and techniques and images that you just don't see anywhere else because it isn't because juggling the performance of juggling is so ingrained i think in the culture that i grew up in yeah that you, you yeah there's no there's nothing to fit into in the end anyways yeah, you can just do the most obscure, random thing and explore it to 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 the very, very end. It, it, not just the most obscure, random thing, but forty variations of that thing. Right. I just love watching it. It's so free. It it, it appears from where I'm looking at. It appears to be so free. Right. Of any of anything. Yeah, I think conceptually speaking, what I th- what I find, I don't know if I should say that it's missing, but it's it's interesting to think about. Uh, and and maybe I'm gonna glorify the art market a bit here, but at least the idea is that in an art market you would want your expectations broken, perhaps, and you would want to be challenged, and you would there's a desire to be provoked. So there's you have access to the entire spectrum of emotions and reactions at least conceptually speaking you know ideally yeah. in, a, in an art market yeah and i feel like all these formats that where juggling exists they're not bad or evil or there's nothing wrong with them like that it's just that the formats are given and you're not supposed to 
like sure you can always challenge them a little bit but uh, that's not the right that's not appreciated or or accepted you know it's not it's not uh, applauded let's say mm-hmm. whereas in a in a in the art world you can someone can be uplifted because they broke some barrier or some expectation or some you know and also this i think there's also this idea of positive emotion and negative emotion that that's kind of something we leave behind and we instead we look at what happens in your mind was there something a a new Mm -hmm. line of thinking that came from the uh, experience of a work of art and that's what we're after Mm -hmm. and that's something that i think would be interesting to consider for 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 juggling as an as an art form Mm -hmm. right like what would that look like what would what would it look like if there was a performance structure a culture with an economy however you want to yeah whatever that means in the end where there was an open-mindedness about the format Mm -hmm. that's a interesting thought i think Instead of, you know, like it's supposed to be an act, it's supposed to be entertaining in these specific ways, or it's supposed to be of this length or of this, you know, anything, right? Yeah. And instead we're thinking about juggling as an art- artistic medium where we're thinking, how can this provoke our mind, you know, mm-hmm. to a new place that our mind has not visited before? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, but I mean, so, well, so just to poke at a couple more things of this um, and then to move on. But uh, this idea of the, I go back to this idea of the, ho- the professional hobbyist or whatever. I mean, I love that Wes Peden makes those films, you know, and he can make money making those films. That seems like so, that seems like such a nice, a different format. And it's yeah. very, he's in control of it and all those things. And then like I told you before, the best gig I ever had in my life was that Greg Kennedy hired me to make tricks for his new show. And I think that's so cool, not just in terms of the experience of like, I did feel, I mean, going back to the idea of the Japanese juggling scene, I kind of felt like that in the moment of working for Greg because I, hey, I didn't have to perform those tricks. I could just make whatever I wanted. I just tried to make good tricks. What does that mean? Mm. That was a totally different experience trying to make good tricks that were just devoid of any sort of, you know, context. Oh, what does that mean? I'm going to make a trick with this, this prop. You know, he gave me some new props he had made and I should make some new, new techniques with them, but I didn't have to worry about in the end, what exactly it was going to look like on stage or how they were going to be even composed next one next to the other. It was just free. Yeah. Oh, here's a, here's an idea. Here's a trick. (laughs) And that was kind of fun to, to really explore the object itself outside of any other sort of uh, concern. That was really cool. That was one of the best experiences of my life. And that also just brings up these ideas of, of juggling culture um, in terms of our expectations and habits and traditions of a lot of times what we hold as valuable, what we, we think is valid. Like, again, growing up in Ohio and, and juggling is not circus and whatever, all these kind of ideas we have about what we're doing. I wish that 
the juggling culture or these values could expand a little bit and that it would become maybe more normal that, hey, Eric, you're making a new show and it's going to be a juggling show. Why don't you hire Wes Peden to make some tricks? Like we have it in terms of a, then we have this authorship we hold in a certain degree of authenticity and validity like well oh did you see eric's show oh yeah it was so crazy what he did with the three clubs chin swings or whatever but then we also think that you made up the chin swings and you made all those images because somehow we for whatever reason we think that that is the quality that we need to value or explore oh eric himself made those that technique whereas okay what if wes had made all those chin swings and i but he made them and you hired him and paid him money and whatever there's a culture surrounding it or whatever he donated them or whatever. I don't care. Yeah. And then I don't even have to know he made them, but then I see you do them. Is it any less or is it any more? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying for me personally, like th that is, that's the part of the process that I'm interested in. So I wouldn't hire it out. To no, no, sure. Else. But, 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 but that's for you. I mean, watching somebody else, it's not a problem then. Right. Maybe someone else is just like, Hey, I'm super into... You mean in terms of the end product that I'm looking at as, yeah. a, as a spectator? Yeah, yeah. of course. That, that doesn't... Uh, I don't know. No, but it can. But, it... I, but you can ask yourself the question. It's an in interesting uh, artistic question, I think. Is there a difference to present material that you've created yourself or that someone else created? Is there a difference there? And I think there could be nuances there that 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 you can sometimes identify. Like we can be fooled, of course, and it feels something, something feels very uh, intrinsic to the person who is presenting them. And we were fooled, let's, let's say, because someone else did them, and certainly just just to, just to elaborate, like in terms of my my pros, process, yeah, I wouldn't hire someone to to create juggling um, material for me. But on the other hand, I'm perfectly happy to farm out other parts of my process. Like okay, so I make sculptures. Well, I don't go into the forest and cut down the trees. Sure. I don't make my machinery that I use. I don't. Only, I don't mix the paint. I mean, there's there's the only, a lot of things that I farm out in that process. The only say, the yeah. only point I want to make is that if you look around at other art forms, this idea of even farming out the process is completely normal. Yeah, it's completely yeah. accepted. It's completely commodified. Totally. And you can make your living being a songwriter for Britney Spears or whatever, like. You know yeah, I mean? or even drip the paint on the canvas and then I like, just go there afterwards. Exactly. And, and sign them. You're a right. famous artist and you right. have a studio behind you with 50 people. There you go. You, you swoosh in once a day and go, oh, make it bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, paint it red. Right. And then that's, you, but you are the name of the brand. Of yeah. The yeah, yeah. That's, that's just what I'm saying. I think it would be so fun if juggling was a little bit bigger mm. that we would have all these variations of, of these different models. Of, we were talking about frameworks of how to fit things into and how does it work with the structures that you kind of create and Jimmy rig or whatever you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's all I mean is it'd be super fun if juggling was a little bit bigger and, and deeper in terms of options. Uh, yeah. At least we, we think so. I mean, it's, exactly, inter yeah. it's interesting to think about, I think. Right. Right. And what would the, then what would happen? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, well, speaking about 
speaking about this idea of where can I plug in my work and where how can I support my work? Well, I mean, one of the one getting back to circus school, <laughs> which was what we wanted to talk about. Um, there's this idea nowadays, um, especially in countries where there are circus schools, at least from what I understand, is let's say you're a young person and you want to be, quote unquote, a juggler. <laughs> that definition of the word, <laughs> juggler. Well, what do I do? Well, I go to circus school. That's what you do. There's a system in place. And so I want to talk about what what that means or what it could mean. But also before we get to this idea of I, I don't want to jump over this idea that if I if I want to be a juggler today, um, let's say in a, in a certain in a country um, that has a, a network of circus schools, then, well, my my most valid option, for example, would be well, I go to circus school. I learn I go to school to learn how to do juggling. I go to school to learn how to do performing and all these things. And um, this comes back to the conversation we were talking about when you were in circus school and first there was no class, then there was no uh, juggling teacher, then there was a teacher who did juggling as well. And then eventually the teacher was the student who used to go to that school. Mm -hmm. You have this evolution. Um, I just want to propose and say that for uh, without jumping into this too deep, juggling is, is a different kind of activity, a physical activity, where I'm not entire well i know for i know for sure you don't you don't need to go to school to do it like that's for sure in a different way than some other disciplines where you need you're talking different than the other circus disciplines, disciplines where right. you need other infrastructure like safety mats and safety wires and coaches and an outside eye that's going to really literally save your life many times um and that doesn't have to be from a school but there has to be infrastructure in place yeah right even so juggling doesn't even really need that infrastructure generally we can say and so what i just wanted to talk about really quickly before getting into circus school is this idea of not going to circus school <laughs> because i think it's kind of fun i didn't go to circus school and you didn't you did go to circus school and i think one quality i found of not going to circus school and being a juggler was that well so i grew up in ohio uh, on a farm basically and every day I would go out back to the barn. You've been to the barn. <laughs> and I would practice juggling and I would learn juggling. And yes, I was fortunate enough that as I grew up, I could meet some other jugglers sometimes. I mean, we would drive three hours to Dayton, Ohio Juggling Club. And you know, David Kane would be there and Mary Spar and these people. And it was a really great formative time in my life. And Or I could drive over near Cleveland and meet uh, Charlie Pishock and... Mike Sackett and these these other people of my same generation and we could jam and trade tricks and and whatever and try to outdo each other and it was really fun it really drove uh, it really motivated me but part of that uh, growing up where I did was I was isolated really I wasn't in a big city I didn't have a weekly juggling club I went to or like this I could go to some juggling festivals thankfully my parents supported me in that and that was really good but for the most part uh, 90% of my time, I was alone juggling. And then, yeah, okay, it was before the internet, and I had the great resource of the Mary Wilkins, had the VHS trading library, so she had a Xerox paper that you could get a copy of this Xerox list of VHS tapes that she had in her possession. 
and you could send a, a pay a, you know stamped envelope with your uh, selection circled on the Xerox piece of paper and say, oh, this week I'd like to borrow the juggling compilation number three. Hmm. And there would be like a list of acts like it included Francis Braun and Air Jazz was on there and Michael Davis was on there. And then Mary Wilkins would send you this VHS tape, which had been copied like 12 different times, like 12th generation loss of data. And you would get that VHS in the mail and then you could borrow it for a couple weeks and send it back to her and get another videotape. So this is before the internet, obviously. But when I, so I'm saying I did have some external uh, influences and information for sure. But for the most part, I was kind of on my own learning on my own. And the result was that I learned how to learn myself. Mm. So I kind of made my own process, even it was all completely unconscious and I was not aware that that was happening. But what it meant was, is that when I got to Europe and specifically when I, when I got asked to start teaching, I kind of found that inside myself, I had a quality which I hadn't valued or understood was there before. And I, I said, oh, all those years on my own standing in the barn alone, it actually made me realize how I could practice, how I could learn a physical skill and how I could assimilate that skill and connect it to other skills. You know, I had this whole architecture built inside of me which I didn't realize I was doing at the time. I was just a kid making stuff up. But then having that sort of process inside of me, I could then start to talk about it to other people and people who would come to circus school specifically, young jugglers who didn't have any of that, or not any of it, but not a, a formalized version of those things. Um, and again, because there there is kind of that option in the air of, well, I want to be a juggler. Well, you go to school and somebody will tell you how to do it. Well, who's yeah. going to tell you and what are they going to tell you? <laughs> so I grew up with this idea that, um, I, I, yeah, I juggled on my own. I didn't go to circus school. I didn't have a teacher. I had a lot of friends who helped me along the way and I had a lot of community and my parents really supported me by letting me interact and network with other jugglers when possible. So I wasn't totally alone, but at the same time, I really had to find my own way. And so when we talk about you want to be a juggler today and, and uh, oh, you go to circus school to do it, I'm clearly uh, a little bit skeptical <laughs> just because of my personal experience. Like I didn't have that. And just before I let you, you jump in with your experience of going to school and all of that, um, I think what was really funny in relationship to this conversation was that even a couple of years ago, it became trendy to not go to circus school. Like that became a virtue um, at Cirque du Mans. Then they talk about, you know, autodidact. Mm. Oh, did you see the blah, blah, blah act? Yeah, they were, they're an autodidact. They didn't even, you know, mm. meaning they, they're self-taught, right? Yeah. They didn't even go to school. And that became like a point of pride even. So we've come so far in this education system from going from not having schools to having a school, to having a juggling education in a school specifically to now it being so cool to not even to skip over that. That is like a, it's like a, a, a create, you know, a, it gives you some sort of credit to be like, and they didn't even go to school. And I thought that was kind of funny because of course my whole generation and my community, we didn't go to school because there wasn't one. Yeah. But, but you went to school. I went to school. Um, I think there's a couple of things like you, you, you touched 
on a lot of the, how should I say, utility of going to school. Is it a good idea? Is it not a good idea? But there's also reasons to go to circus school that's like outside of that, you could say. And I think right now there's so many circus schools in, in Europe and a couple elsewhere too that there's so many jugglers who come out of them that it, it has also become this thing. It's just what you do. Yeah. It's habit. It's the habit, so then there is no thought behind it. It's just like, oh, you want to be a juggler? Well, you go to school because that's why, that's what juggler X, Y, and Z did, you know. And we yep. could, we see so many of those people, so that that just seems to be the thing that you do. Yeah. So there, there's that. But then there's also, there's also the social structure of going to a school, in terms of your family and your just the life society. around you. Society, exactly. Yeah. That you go, oh, what do you do now? Well, I go to circus school. So then that's, there's, it, it's, it's formalized in some valid ve- way in terms of society. Well, taking that even a step farther yeah. is um, the conversation, it, it, it doesn't really go even like that. It's not like, what do you do when I go to circus school? Because that's still not okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. But what are you doing? I go to university mm. for circus. Wow. That's, that's real. Yeah, and not only real, but it's cool. Mm. You know, it's exotic, it, but it's exotic and legitimate. Right. And so, because we've talked about many times about having uh, making our own circus school, and we looked at different um, models of how to organize, even say things like finances and 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 whatever administrative th- uh, concerns. And uh, one of the biggest uh, stumbling blocks we found is that you kind of have to have an accredited program where you're going to award a degree, a Bachelor of the Arts or whatever, like a valid degree, so that these kids can go to their parents and say, hey, I want to go to juggling school in Sweden. That doesn't sound okay. You want to go to juggling school? That's not a thing. What do you get out of it? Well, it's three years long, and at the end, I'm a good juggler. Yeah. Okay, what? I'm not going to pay for that. (laughs) But then if you say, no, I want to go, hey, mom and dad, I want to go to circus school, in Sweden, it's this juggling school. It's a university. It's at a university level. At the end, I get a degree. Yeah. Suddenly, that becomes a socially valid choice. Yeah. And again, like I say, not only socially valid, but super cool. Right, yeah. Because you're a unique individual. And um, Yeah, so there is something there in terms of just validation in the eyes of society. Exactly. That is also like another aspect of circus school. Yeah. But back to your question so my experience of circus school yeah so like i said in in our previous episode the the school that exists in sweden that is known as dock that isn't called dock anymore since i think maybe a year back or something it's now it's now called skh mm. which is stands for stockholm university of the arts so, uh, w- and that is because uh, DOC, which used to be the University of Dance and Circus, they merged with a bunch of other opera, theater, film, etc. And now they're this bigger university. So DOC is gone and it's now called SKH. So the school that I went to was before, even before DOC. Uh, it was this pilot project by a company called Circus Circar that exists in Sweden, and they had they got a grant to do a one-year course. After that course was over, there was a break, and then they 
did decided to do that one year course again but without any money so that's the first circus school that i went to for one year and then that course that one year course then i guess they thought it was successful enough to make it into a three-year course it was still not a ba or at any university it was still just a three-year of circus school and so then i uh, applied for that and did that for another three years so that's four years in total so that's kind of my circus cv um in terms of my experience there uh, well why did you go to school i mean how did that even come about was that just a thing that people did no no not at all right. it was so this is even before the internet it was just like i enjoyed juggling and a friend of mine that was also interested in juggling he uh Who's that douglas he had found this school i think he it was in the newspaper i think wait some douglas article. who Magnuson, Douglas Magnuson. And uh, he, um, so he had found found out about this school and then he, you know, we were talking about that and oh, maybe we could apply there and both of us and we did and we both got in. So um, it, it wasn't that thought out, you know, it was not, there was no tradition. What did you think you were going to get out of it though? Did you know? I thought I was just, it was just a place where I could juggle yeah. and be left alone, you know. Was in, it? In terms of, yeah, more or less. Yeah, I, I when you went so. to school, it was like I that. I think so. But, I mean, I was also one of the few people in that class who had those expectations. Like, I wanted a space, just that, to have a space where I could juggle. Yeah. And, you know, some other, you know, structure around juggling yeah. was just um, un- incredible for me. Yeah. And then... Well, uh, there, there's an effect of that. I mean, a lot of, like, you know, back when catacombs, the, the first catacombs existed in Berlin, you know, there'd be a lot of workshops. Yeah. And then uh, maybe not all the time that the instructors would be the best instructor, can we say like that, diplomatically? Yeah. But you would get these students who would go there for this one-week-long workshop, let's say, and they would just be raving about it afterwards. Oh, man, this is the best thing I ever did. It was so great. And I was so confused that by that the first couple of times it happened because I had taken some of those classes. I knew some of those instructors, uh, the work that yeah. they were presenting. And it was, honestly, it was terrible. It was a disaster. It was a complete mess. There was just no, it was not, it was not, nothing was coherent. There was, yeah, there was no kind of obvious goal. It was just free form jamming without any structure, without any sort of, yeah, real guidance. And then I realized all these people who were giving rave reviews to this process was the fact it had nothing to do with the content of the program. It was the fact that they had taken a week out of their life. They had traveled all the way to Berlin. They had paid money to an instructor to dedicate themselves to juggling for that week in a way that they don't normally dedicate themselves to juggling in their normal lives. So that's what you're kind of talking about. Yeah. You went to circus school and it was like, wow, here's a, here's a structure where I can dedicate myself to juggling in a new way I hadn't done before. Uh, and, you know, regardless of what was the content of that program, it was just symbolically yeah. personal for you, a, a point of, yeah, of pride. Like, wow, I'm doing juggling. 
Right. So then when the three-year program started, then I actually got a full-time juggling teacher, a guy from Finland called Maxim Komaro. And that was really, really great. But he was only there for the first year, I think. And then he disappeared. And after that, we had, I had guest teachers. So they came every once in a while. There would be someone for a week or for a few days. And that, that, that was fine for me, but... We also had like a lot of other classes, like you know, classes in anatomy or massage or acrobatics or dance or yeah, all kinds of things, really. Well, looking back on your life yeah. now, yeah, where, where you're at now with your work and your life and your art and your juggling and whatever, yeah, your business, yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think about all that stuff you did at school? Was it worthwhile? Are you grateful for it in a really direct way? And not just a, well, I'm glad I learned what I didn't like kind of way. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that. Like, I'm grateful that I got to try all these things. Like, I got to try, you know, mime and these things that I'm... And that, that gave me, you know, references in terms of performing that I do think is valuable, even if I'm not, you know, didn't pursue mime. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that's valuable. Is it the most valuable thing that I could have done with my time? I right. don't know. Right. But I'm certainly not like you don't sad. You're not, you don't regret. I don't regret it. Right. I don't regret it. I don't know if that was the optimal way of, of doing things. Mm. Uh, I certainly know that around that time, there was a lot of the other students complained a lot about what we were doing in school. In what way? Yeah, that we had didn't have teachers or that we had bad mm. teachers or mm. that we were doing this thing that wasn't relevant or blah, 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 blah. And I was more open-minded and just kind of tried everything. Yeah. Uh, but I think that also had to do, like, you know, I came from the outside. Some people, they came from preparatory sort of school. I and see. they were already in kind of the mode of, of thinking, just taking school for granted. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I came from a position where that school was just a crazy thing that it even exists. Yeah. You know, circus school. Right. And I, I never, even if I was there for four years, I never re fully, that idea never fully left me. I think that was always present sometimes in some way. Yeah. Even if we did something that I thought was completely useless, mm. you know. So, but yeah, that was the experience. I mean, uh, what I would say in terms of like my professional life afterwards, I would say that most of my thinking and most of the things that I've learned in terms of what I use, you know, regularly, I think most of that came after circus school. Mm -hmm. Like it, it really feels, it was probably more influential on me than I would like to admit. But in terms of my feeling about it, it really feels like a parenthesis. Of, hmm. you know not yeah it was you know something i did among a lot of other stuff right uh, and i can't really point specifically to right there there are in small small instances where i can say yeah this specific incident really shaped me you hmm. know as an artist or really guided me in terms of my professional life or artistic life so well yeah. speaking of those spe yeah. uh, speaking yeah. about that kind of specific content of a course I mean, I get the question all the time, even today. Oh, what did Wes Peden do in circus school? What yeah. What was the class like? What were people teaching Wes Peden? Because he went to circus school. So what you know, and look at his juggling. And so what was um, what parts of his juggling that I see 
you know, that I can see what, what part of that was from circus school and what was that like and all these things. I mean, the, the honest truth without this this sounds like kind of a little sound bite or a little cute little answer to that yeah. but without any any sort of uh irony or, or whatever wink um the best thing that wes ever did in circus school is that he met patrick elmnert right that was the best thing of the program <laughs> and i mean besides the infrastructure that he right. he left america so he came on his own to dedicate himself to juggling i think that was probably the best thing really overall but if you want to talk about the content of the program it's that he met Patrick Elmner and they made some of the best juggling that's ever been made by, by four hands or whatever you want to say. Yeah. I mean, that was the most valuable part of his education was just meeting someone else. So there is some sort of thing about the, the community and the networking and everything that you can, that maybe isn't the first thing that comes to mind. And obviously it's not like every student finds their Patrick, Patrick Elmner. <laughs> yeah. But, but that was the best thing that happened to Wes um, in terms of the, that changed his life, I think, in one way. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was also this thing, and maybe it was probably the same for a lot of people, just this thing that it was okay to, for these, this period of time, focus on this thing. Because, I mean, I was juggling all the time before circus school, but I don't think... I felt free in that because was it really okay or was it just something I was wasting my time on somehow? All right, well, well let's talk about that for a second because, um, so we ha so we had this idea a couple years ago, that uh, part of it was that the circus school in Sweden was taking students every other year. They take a new class every other year. That started a while ago, instead of taking a new class every year. And so then on the quote-unquote off year, or whatever you want to say, on the off year of taking new students, there would be maybe students who wanted to go to school, but, oh, there's no audition this year. So what are you going to do? You're going to chill for another year before you apply? Or let's say you, you apply, you audition, and you don't get in. Well, you can't apply next year. Right. you got to wait two years. Well, are you really going to just chill around for two years? Or what do you do in that time? And that was a discussion. And, again, going back to this idea that I didn't go to school and I don't take it for granted that you just go to school or whatever um we were starting to say but look i mean you can there, yeah there's a lot of benefits from going to school um but a lot of those benefits are also just those things we talked about in terms of being a validation for society and socially acceptable and you can kind of create a lot of re or recreate a lot of the content of a juggling school circus school program on your own yeah and you came up with this idea of having an whatever we don't have a good name for it, but an autonomous circus school or a, autonomous autonomous juggling school program or a j autonomous juggling program, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Which means that um, you would kind of take the re your own responsibility in terms of your education, and can you find that content that you would get in a juggling circus school program outside of the juggling circus school institution? And so we started to outline what that would look like because over the years, I mean, I, I got so, you know, countless messages about doc, about circus school, juggling program. What should I do? Should I go there? What's the program? And many times, let me just say a lot of times, I don't know if it's like this anymore, but it used to be that there was this idea that if I went to circus school for juggling, 
oh man, it's going to be a juggling festival 24-7. I'm going to go in the circus hall. I'm just going to juggle my arms off 18 hours a day. Right? And then the reality is, actually, it, the reality is you juggle less than you ever did before. Because you've got to go, what do you say? Anatomy, massage, oh, trampoline class. And then you got theater class, business class, whatever. And even in your juggling class, especially with me, you're not doing your juggling. Right. You're making something else. So a lot of people, I don't know if they were shocked or surprised, but I think there was, and I don't, again, I don't know if, if, if students of today really hold that same image, but I think there is still that kind of feeling of, man, if I go to circus school for juggling, I'm going to dedicate my life to juggling. Therefore, I'm going to juggle a lot. I mean, that kind of stands to follow. And I think it should, <laughs> to be honest, it should be like that. Yeah. And the way that was always kind of exercised in reality in terms of the juggling program at Doc before was that I expected the students to practice their juggling outside of class hours. So you would go to a full day of school, whatever it is, eight and nine in the morning till five or six in the evening. And after that, you would practice. You would still juggle. So you would still juggle every day, just not in school. Yeah. Which I don't think is the expectation when you go to school for juggling. You're going to juggle in school. That right. Right? Yeah. And so lots of times I would, you know, if students, because there, there became uh, certain like economic rules, like you couldn't be outside of the European Union to go to dock and all these things. And so students would write me from different countries um, outside of the EU and ask about the program. And I say, look, you can't, you know, legally or practically go to the school because you're not European Union. But uh, look, take the money you're going to spend on rent living in Stockholm. Take the money you're going to spend on food yeah. living in Stockholm. This is not a cheap country for right. things like that. And, you know, maybe if you can, if you can save money living with your parents or live, go to a cheaper country or live with, you know, crash with friends, try to get your, your living costs down from living in Sweden and take that money and get a gym membership go go to a dance class you know take a take a ballet class for a year you know pay for that take that money you're gonna spend on your subway ticket in stockholm <laughs> and instead take that for a year for a year subway ticket it's, it's expensive here hmm. take that money and go to the ija festival and when you go to the ija festival though don't just go to the festival and like hang out with your friends and stay up all night and party but go to it as if you're doing an education. Go to it as if you're doing a juggling program for yourself. It means take every single workshop you can. Go to every single event. Be, be a critical observer. Pay attention to what are the things at the festival I like and what don't I like and why is that. And talk to people and meet people and constantly be actively cultivating your knowledge about juggling. And because in that way, you can actually dedicate yourself to juggling full time. The problem with this plan, when I was writing these messages to, to, to young jugglers was that that's not socially acceptable at all. You can't go to your family and say, Hey, uh, yeah. So for the next two years, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna like crash on the couch and I'm going to go to the gym eight hours a day and I'm going to take a dance class and then I'm going to take a trip to wherever, you know, JJF yeah. in Japan. And it sounds frivolous, I, I think in that way. But if you actually sit down and analyze the work, it is the most efficient. It's way... On, yeah, by far. Yeah. By far. Yeah. You, you, you get the biggest return. 
And so then we had this idea of, of making an autonomous juggling program where we would kind of lay out uh, a public proposition for these students who either couldn't qualify for an institutional juggling program or it was the off season or, you know, the, the different rhythm of the different year. It was the off year of the audition yeah. or whatever. Or maybe maybe even as a preparatory program for an institutional program, a juggling program. And so uh, part of that autonomous program did include tasks like go to the EJC, go to the IJA, go to the JJF. Yeah. Right? To, to, and I know that's a financial investment and I know that's, you know, money is is a concern for sure as a resource i don't take for granted people can just afford to go to jjf but just to say going to circus school too right is a financial concern Very and much i so. and i remember we had um we had some ideas along the lines of how can this uh, how could this autonomous juggling program actually grow into a real experience beyond just kind of a again a, a, a mental exercise and it was kind of like, okay, one thing was we could have a closed Facebook group. And if you enter into this program, uh, you get access to the closed Facebook group. And me and you, for example, and again, not that me and you are the coolest, greatest authorities, but just that as an idea, there was some resource there. Me and you would interact with them. So if, if anybody would go on the closed Facebook group and write a question about juggling, we would, we would give our time to answer it. Mm. And okay, well, how do you... How do you how do you enter into the program if it's a if it's a self-run autonomous program? Then we had this idea that you would kind of have to prove your dedication or show that you were serious. And the way we were going to do that was there was a reading list, hmm. and we had a reading list of of books like literal books that you'd have to buy. And the reading list, it, I think, in the end, it was around three hundred euros that you would have to purchase books for. Hmm. And if you sent a picture of yourself with holding the books, right? That was the ticket in. That was the ticket into the closed mm. Facebook group. Mm. But here's the cool thing too, because I don't want money. Money is not the barrier. The barrier is I don't really want to be involved with a program of an autonomous juggling school where I'm going to dedicate my time answering questions for people who aren't serious. That doesn't do me any good. and Because then anybody could just join and be like, oh, well, I guess I'll do this autonomous thing. Uh, and oh, I'm going to go on the Facebook group. I'm going to ask Eric, like, what is it? Like, how's the best way to create juggling? Yeah. And then you're going to, you know, maybe you're going to take a couple hours of your life to give like a real answer there. But then maybe the next day the person goes, ah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't really want to do this. So we, we thought there had to be some sort of barrier of entry, not as a financial constraint, but just as kind of an attitude. But the thing is, if you have a closed Facebook group, maybe what you could start to do is you could start to have networking of formal form, former students who, who had, who had done the program. Yeah. They could start to share these books. I mean, you don't have to maybe spend 300 euros on the books, but you have to get the book. That's the barrier. Yeah. There's some sort of friction before you can just jump into the conversation, but then hopefully that, that friction would create a community. And then eventually, hopefully on this closed Facebook group, it's not me and you answering questions. It's the former students. And you say, oh, but when I went to JJF, like, I want to go to JJF. Can you share your experiences? And a former student says, yeah, I got a great tip. When you go to JJF, do like this. Mm. Talk to this kind of person. And you could stay here for cheaper. And mm. right? Like, you could, you could totally build a culture around an autonomous edu education program that is maybe way deeper, way more uh, uh, relevant 
to a juggling education, not a circus school institution education. And that goes back to having this idea of where do I plug in my work in the world? Like what kind of boxes am I going to do grants? Am I going to do German variety? Am I going to do circus school? Well, there you go. You, circus school, I mean, a trade-off is instead of maybe working on your whatever <laughs> juggling you want to you want to learn technique or creativity you're in a class learning the the latin names of muscles and, and the bones right and i also think that there's something to say about when you're going to learn something that there's been a creative journey in the actual learning experience itself right like an apprenticeship in some other yeah some other forms like if you go to a school th that has been formalized you are given tasks you can be very passive in, in, in that setting. Whereas if it was in an autonomous program, like you would have to be the, the driver. Yeah, and, I mean, and in terms of the content of that program, um, the idea would be to publish uh, little briefs or reflections or instigations. That would be, and it could be, you could have a formal schedule too. You say, look, this program, it takes two years. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we have, we had, we, we have these, we had talked through all these ideas. I mean, and then in the first month, you're going to work on this idea. And here's a little text about this idea. But sure, it's up to you in the end to kind of take that where you want to take it and to what level you want to take it and to what level the infrastructure of your life that you've, that you've established that you can, you can take it. Just things like, you know, we, we talk about also not only on the alternate, autonomous juggling school, but in the normal circus school juggling program in the institution me and you have talked several times about a idea of um, you. There's so many things you take for granted that we just skip over. Whereas I think in autonomous circus school they become more prevalent from the beginning. But things like here's the first day of a juggling education anywhere, autonomous or in an institution. The first day is you get yourself a laptop, you get yourself a hard drive. Right, you get yourself a camera. You make a file structure folder on the laptop of of a way to archive your work. All these kind of infrastructural things that we just kind of intuitively navigate. Very, I mean, me and you, it's very slow. I'm I'm terrible about documenting my work. But if I was going to be serious about an education, maybe one of the first things I should do is figure out, yeah, where am I going to train? How many hours a week can I practice? very mundane you know unartistic things yeah that will support the work later on but if you establish it from the beginning wouldn't that be clever and wouldn't that be so useful so that later on you're not struggling to find that paper that you wrote in the spring and showed sure. me showed me on tour <laughs> that we can't find <laughs> but uh no but but so so the program could have um a really clear outline and guidelines for people to follow, but they have to take the initiative themselves. And that's what I find a lot in the in circus schools right now, the institution is that the, the students who are there in the juggling program, at least that's the only ones I can speak about, has in general over the past few years become more and more institutionalized to the point of they give up so much responsibility to the, to the, to the school for their education. And that you go in there they go in there and they say, okay, well, I'm here in class, teach me. And it's like, yeah, I guess that could work better if you were going to do mathematics maybe or something. But here in juggling, at least, we're not, that's a different kind of thing. Also, because it is such a young activity. 
it's not established in the way the mathematics perhaps on one level is established in terms of a body of knowledge. And so we are still making it up as we go. And this idea that you give up responsibility to an institution to tell you you're juggling knowledge, that's kind of weird. It doesn't quite work. Especially that also juggling is a thing where I can't do it for you. It's, it's a very personal activity, which I don't have a counterexample, but it feels like it, it feels like there's this moment of like the students sometimes are like, yeah, but can't you just tell me? Can't you just make it work for me? And it's like, well, first of all, literally no, because there is no right or wrong answer <laughs> that you're looking for this magic formula that doesn't exist. But second of all, even if I could tell you how to make it work, I don't know what that would do for you. Because in the end, juggling really is this solidary, you know, this, um, solitary activity, whereas maybe I can help you right now in this room and it works, but then I'm not going to be with you. And this is all of teaching, I guess, yeah. not just juggling, but it feels in juggling there is this thing. If we, there was an autonomous program, you would take more control and responsibility over your education and over your own yeah, acquisition of knowledge, at least. Yeah. So that, that was just this idea that we could, uh, I just wanted to address this idea that, yes, going to circus school, we need to talk about that. But before we talk about that, maybe we could also propose there are alternatives. For sure, yeah. <laughs> Definitely in terms of juggling. And we're going to talk about circus schools, but next time. So I'll see you then, man. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, peace. Peace.